This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. What up? This is Myron, and you are listening to the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast. The Down on the Docks on the other side of the tracks, dive bar style podcast of and about the Seattle Mariners that you are listening to right here on the Odyssey app. But hey, if you're listening to that somewhere else, hey, I'm not going to judge you as long as you're liking, subscribing, and of course, enjoying the podcast. Also, if you've not been to our YouTube channel, we've revamped, relaunched our youtube channel it's i'm happy with it all right i'm happy with it get on over there and uh subscribe and all of that good stuff also if you want that street cred because you're rocking the rye bread hit up at simply.core that's at simply.core you can also hit her up on instagram and get yourself all hooked up all right that's all the house cleaning i have for today And I got to tell you, this episode was a lot of fun to put together, but very time consuming because we have all these great clips and all these great people and friends that have contributed to the show and then just kind of trying to put it all together to make just like something work for the title that I just wanted to call it like the New Year's banger. It could have been a three hour episode, maybe even a four hour episode, maybe even like a, a... four or five day mini series no but we we dialed it all down to about 90 minutes and we're happy to drop it on you probably at the same time that the apple is dropping in new york or the space needle is about to blow in seattle but on this episode you'll be hearing from brett boone jim copacino that's the guy who created all the classic Mariners commercials we love and wish would still be going on right now. We also got KISW Rocks, Steve Miggs. We got the Pike Street Drummer. We have Seattle Mariners PA announcer since 1987, Tom Hutler. We also got a clip from the new Nasty Boys. That's an awesome Cincinnati Reds podcast, as well as NBC's Carl Tart and Bill Posley. If you remember, he was the guy who wrote for Cobra Kai and is the writer of the new Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We got Eric Estrada. No, not from Chips. Eric Estrada, he is our Modesto Nuts insider, does all the Modesto Nuts media, as well as Seattle's PA announcer, the great Tom Hutler. Shelly, our good friend over at Murphy's on 45th. And as being a dive bar, we have our favorite segment where things kind of went off the track around the production with me and my girlfriend, you know, the stat department, the lovely Tanya, as well as my grandma Norma, 92 years, almost about to be 93 years young, grandma Norma, we got some of her greatest hits topping it off. Anyways, I'm going to shut the hell up so you can get into this episode, the New Year's banger that's about to drop right after this. 
Get ready to play hardball in the kingdom. Take me to the ballgame. I want to see the ants. The Mariners are playing hardball. Princess Tours, the vacation company, brings you the best show in baseball when the San Diego Chicken plays hardball with the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles tonight in the Kingdom. All right, we're kicking this banger off with Mariners legend Brett Boone. He's talking about his MLB call-up, his first Major League home run, and how he went about preparing himself on the field defensively, which also brought him four gold gloves. And the pitchers he loved to hit off of, and the pitchers he hated to see on the opposite lineup card. All right, check it out. Yeah, I, I was, uh, you know, on YouTube, and I just recently saw your very first home run you ever hit, and there's it's great footage of it too. Like whatever camera they were using in '92, sometimes you get those weird broadcasts. It's a really great uh, video. Can you like talk us through your first major league home run? Oh, I I, I remember where it was. It was in Boston, and. Uh... I got called up a couple days earlier, and it was uh, Camden Yards that made my debut. I got through the first game. That was a. I, I remember I didn't sleep the night before. Flew all day on a plane. Got to Camden Yards. Had a big press conference. Next thing I know, I was in the game. Got a base hit my first at bat. I ended. I think we ended the game. Omar Vizquel was a shortstop. We ended it on a double play. And I remember going back and collapsing in my hotel room. I had this big suite. And I'm thinking, this is awesome. This is not like AAA. And then we got to Boston, and I had a corner room. <laughs> and, and they just the, the Mariners did it for my initial call up. They kind of gave me the you know red carpet treatment. Uh, but I remember going to Boston, and it was like, wow, we're at Fenway Park. I've seen this on TV. My grandpa played here, uh, and I just you know I was just surviving. I was a young kid that that this is my whole life. This is all I've ever wanted to do. I'm finally getting my opportunity and I just wanted to do good. You know, I just didn't want to, I wanted to do well and prove that I belong here. And I don't remember too much about it. I remember a breaking ball and I kind of got out on my front foot, but I kept my weight backing up and I just kind of flipped it. And I said, Oh, I think that's a Homer. And back then it was before the, before the seats were up there and you hit it into the net mm -hmm. and uh, they went and got the ball for me. They pretended like they didn't find it, but they, they ended up getting the first <laughs> ball for me. And, um, did you get a beer shower? No, I didn't. I didn't. But I, I do remember that. And, and it, to me, I, I just remember hitting it, knew it was a homer, just put my head down, ran around the bases because that's what we did back then. There was no none of this <laughs> pimping homers and doing stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I got back in. My, you know, my I, I think my teammates kind of gave me the no high fives, the, the silent treatment. And then they kind of piled on and said, hey, congratulations, your first home run. So that's what I remember about that. Uh, wasn't that big of a deal. I, I knew I was excited because that tape you're talking about back then, we didn't have the internet. We couldn't go on our phone yeah. and watch everything up to date. So that was one of those things where I'm getting on the phone right after the game and I'm going, mom, did you have it taped? Did you put it in the VCR? And she's like, yeah. Next thing you know, they're sending me tape over, you know, through the mail yeah. so I could see my first yeah. home run. So back then that was a big deal to get, to get that footage. But, uh, any, any first, you know? My first hit, I remember it was great. My first home run, you know, first time you get elected to an all-star game. First gold glove I won. A lot of firsts in baseball uh, that, that you dream about when you're a kid. And, and uh, you know, I was fortunate enough I got to fulfill a lot of those dreams. And, and uh, pretty good life. Pretty blessed life. High drive left field by the rookie. High into the pale sky and into the screen for a homer. 
Brett Boone with his first major league homer. And the Mariners lead six to three. Ooh. Well, a big, big charge for the youngster. And the good news for him is that he'll probably be able to get that ball back. It stayed in the net, so after the game, somebody can climb up there and get it for him, and he'll have his souvenir for his first Major League home run. I'll tell you, Brett Boone, he mentioned the 13 home runs that he had at the minor league level. I mean, he's put together. He's stocky. He looks like he's strong, and looks like he may be able to deliver some home runs. Certainly does right there. Well, his dad, who was managing in the minors, Force here. There's the ball. Yeah, that's one that somebody's got to chase down and put up in his mantle. First, he's got his first hit this week. Now his first home run. Speaking of your Gold Glove, what was your like day-to-day -day preparation? Uh, you know, to for for yourself out in the field. Um, I'll tell you, it, when I was a young kid, when I was in the minor leagues, I, I uh, you know, I was always hearing, you know, when they have the prospect reporter, they talk about you coming up. It was always Brett Boone. He's an offensive second baseman. He's going to be this hitter. And and I always took that as, wait a minute, I'm a really good defender. And I worked really hard in the minor leagues at, at my uh, defense. I mean, I was out there for, for 20, 30 minutes a day. Once I got to the big leagues and got comfortable, my routine really was no big deal. It was... During batting practice, I'd take ground balls for about seven, eight minutes. And that's all I needed. And I had three different, you know, I'd, I'd go, you know, forehand, backhand. I'd come into the grass and, and I'd have a, whoever's hitting the fungal that day just hit balls as hard as they could at me for about, you know, five or six reps. And that was pretty much it. Because defense is, you know, I see a lot of guys working on defense and I don't understand it. Because once you get to a certain level defensively, it's like, you know how to do it. And it has nothing to do with your hands or, or, or it has to do with your feet. It's all about footwork. Great, great field, gold glove, great defenders have great footwork. It has nothing to do. You hear all the time. He's got great hands. Well, everybody in the big leagues has very good hands. The elite players have the elite footwork. And that's what makes you a gold glover is you get good jumps. You get good hops. If you give any fielder in the big leagues, 10 out of 10 good hops, they're probably not going to make an error. But the great ones get 9 out of 10 good hops, and the mediocre ones get 7 out of 10. And that's what <laughs> separates a, a good defender from a great defender. It's all in the footwork. And I worked on my, my footwork quite a bit in the minor leagues. Man, I love that perspective, hearing about defense like that. Um, you, you also had a double play combo. Who was your favorite and, and the, the guy you love to turn double plays with the most throughout your career? Let's see. Uh, Omar and myself were together a very short, short time. We both left Seattle shortly after that. So my, my reign in, in uh, Cincinnati, Barry Larkin, uh, it was kind of like a magical thing. I mean, we really knew each other. Uh, not to get kind of weird, because I always believed you worked hard and, and none of that voodoo stuff. Oh, I know what my partner's thinking and all that. I'll tell you, after I played five years with Barry, I, I started to believe in that type of stuff. I mean, <laughs> it seemed like it, first it comes with, with the middle infield combination. It comes with trust and it's, I can freewheel. I can take chances. I can take risks and, and make unbelievable plays. And I trust my partner that he's going to be there. And if I don't have to make a perfect throw, he's going to make a non-perfect throw look perfect by his footwork. 
So I, he, he gave me the freedom to freewheel and just try to make, try to make every unbelievable play. Cause I knew if I didn't, and I didn't quite give him that good feed. Barry was going to make it look like a good feed, and he was going to do what he needed to do on that end, and vice versa. He could freewheel at shortstop, and he could make up stuff and take big-time chances because he knew I was going to be there, and I, he knew I was going to handle my end of the deal. So for that five years, that, that's about as special as it comes. I'll tell you, I really enjoyed my time with Carlos Guillen in Seattle. He was great, unbelievable, around the bag. Um, so uh, those are my two my two favorite guys. What uh, pitcher gave you the most difficult uh, time when you were at the plate? And on the flip side, which pitcher did you just own and eat for lunch when you're at the plate? Well, oh man, eat for lunch. I, I don't know. I, I, I definitely had my guys that, that I, I liked facing. Um, but, but the question of who was tough, you know, I, cause there's a lot of guys that were tough, man. Kevin Brown, I remember in the day was a pain in the neck. Randy Johnson was a pain. Pedro, I did okay off of. Clemens, I did okay off. That doesn't mean I liked facing them. Their stuff was still nasty, but I, I, I found a way to come out of there with a hit, and it hit in a walk maybe. Uh, but, but I've narrowed it down. There were a lot of tough ones that I faced, but I narrowed it down to this. The 90s, Maddox, Smoltz, Glavin. Because I remember that's ingrained <laughs> in my head. When I was in Cincinnati, we'd go to Atlanta, and it was always Maddox, Smoltz, Glavin. And I think to this day uh, – you know, I think there's a really good argument that could be made. They're the greatest staff of all time. And they were three aces. They were completely different how they went about their business, how they went about their craft. You know, Maddox was a was a technician. Uh, Smoltzy was that more classic over-the-top fastball slider. Couldn't pick his slider up out of his release point, so everything looked like a fastball. Uh, and Glavin was the classic crafty left-hander but had more velocity than than you want and, and the one thing they had in common all three of them is they could they were so accurate with their they didn't miss they didn't miss location their location was so on point and and i got to play behind them one year in atlanta and i got to see that from a defensive standpoint like if it's if maddox is up there and, and javi lopez calls for a pitch away uh fastball away i know it's going to be a fastball away Cause, cause that's how pinpoint. So those are the, those are the three, th those are, my, that's my stock answer these days of who gave you the most trouble. Uh, as far as, as far as on the other side, I, I don't really know. I, I mean, the guys there, there's a lot of guys I'd have to get into the books and find out who I did really well off of. I know who I, who I felt comfortable off, but nobody in particular comes to mind like, Oh, you know, maybe Swindell for a while, maybe an Andy Bennis. Uh, I seem to have a lot of success off. But, uh, oh, David Wells, I wore him out my entire career. And then at the end, my last couple times facing him, I didn't get a hit, you know, because I'd be so excited. Like, oh, well, Wells yeah. is pitching. I know I always do well off him. And next thing you know, he's giving me offers. And I'm going, damn it, it ran out. You know, Schilling early in my career, I had a lot of success. Later in my career, he came up with that split finger, and it was a different animal. So uh, it'd be interesting. I, I haven't really looked at it. I mean, if you if you say a name, I could probably say, oh, yeah, I think I did decent off him. But for the most part, remember the guys that were really tough on you. One of my favorite home runs, though, that you ever hit uh, is off Roger Clemens. It's the one when your helmet comes all my the way off. My helmet comes off, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's like. If you look at that <laughs> tape, you know what's funny about that tape? Edgar's hitting behind me, I think, that game. And Edgar took Roger deep the same game. Check out the tape. My helmet falls off if you replay it. 
on my recoil with my bat, my bat hits the helmet. I didn't throw my helmet off. No. And then I didn't know what to do because <laughs> I was five steps out of the box. And I thought, do I go get my helmet? And I paused for a second. I think that that'll make me look stupid. And then I ran around the base without a helmet. And I felt like naked. I felt so stupid running around the bases. Later in the game, Edgar goes deep. For some reason, his helmet comes off. In the same game, and I remember Roger sent a Bat Boy over after the game. It says, uh, and it was in a, it, it was a wink, wink kind of comment. But he says, "Can you tell Booney and Edgar to keep their helmet on when they take me deep?" And uh, <laughs> you know, it was kind of, it was kind of a funny thing. But yeah, very, very weird. I think it's the only, only home run I ever hit in the big leagues, minor leagues, high school, college, where my helmet came off, and it was off Roger. It was great. You must have just had a fresh tip job too. It's a yeah, I did. I looking did. pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I'm so embarrassed. I oh, don't worry about it. Yeah, but in front of Gold Glover, it can happen to anybody. Really? Even you? <laughs> me? No, not me. Guys like you happens all the time. Thanks. Ah, you're welcome. Well, at least that one wasn't your fault. All right, you just heard that commercial that just played right now, the Brett Boone commercial. That was created by Copacino Fujikato, and we have Jim Copacino, who was the guy behind all the classic Mariners commercials back in the 90s. It's also a team thing. He'll also stress that. But Jim, to me, is like the Wizard of Oz when it comes to these Seattle Mariner commercials that we know and love and wish we still had. And we were talking to him down at the All-Star Week, and we asked him, how did the whole Soto Mojo thing come about? And he lets us know right here. Yeah, we'd, we'd always generate a lot of different slogans, and some better than others. You know, my, the, our late colleague, Steve Canetta, this great guy, uh, grew up a Mets fan in Brooklyn, passionate baseball fan, moved out here to the Northwest. We worked together at McCann Erickson. We brought him over to the agency. He was the inventor of Soto Mojo, which yeah. was perhaps the the best one you know i think that's the most for me that's the most memorable yeah one. yeah there's all they're all great you yeah. gotta love these guys but the soto mojo is it, it's a thing we had some bad ones too it's, like it's, get all of it and yeah you know, that was, that was don't worry about it please please buy a ticket it sounds like, that. It sounds like the hook to like a, a like a country southern yeah. rock get out of it get out. uh but soto mojo i mean that's I was saying this to Chris on one of the episodes was like, I was like, it came from that. And then it's, it's going to live on. It's on the city connect jerseys. Yeah. Yeah. Is that cool? I mean, that's along with, uh, you know, my, oh my. And, yeah. yeah. So when you saw that on the Jersey, like, does that take you back? Is that, was that an emotional thing? Uh, yeah. You know, I thought of Steve, of course, you right. know, because uh, he and I were such great friends, but, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. And again, you know, you you work on a brand that that's so visible. You mm -hmm. know, it's it's not like doing an insurance company or, <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it's just a wonderful opportunity. I mean, I feel like it's such a lucky guy to have done that and to have developed a relationship we did and to do all the work we did. So you know, it's one of those things where it all comes together. It doesn't always happen. But it was good. Yeah, and was was Soto Mojo where it came? Now he wasn't. Was he an accountant? Was this uh, Steve? Well, he was an account director, but he was a very creative guy. You know, in other words, 
as an account uh, director or, or executive, your job is to be the liaison between the agency and the client. So you handle the relationship, you handle the finances and the, the budgets. But Steve was more than that. He was he was a funny guy. He was a creative guy. Uh, and, you know, uh, we had kind of an inclusive agency culture where it's, hey, a, a good idea is a good idea, no matter where it came from. Yeah. So Steve came up with sort of mojo. And uh, Martinez loved it, Kevin. Yeah. And because it was, you know, what does it really mean? You know, now it has meaning. Soto Mojo. In fact, when Niehaus first heard it, he said, what is that, Japanese? Because <laughs> he tried to just go along. And, uh, no, David, it's not Japanese. Uh, so, but anyway, Kevin sold it to, to uh, you know, Howard Lincoln and Chuck uh, Armstrong and the powers that be. And he did a great job selling it. I don't think we could have done it without Kevin's, certainly couldn't have done it without Kevin's endorsement. Ladies and gentlemen, a very funny man. Please welcome from Seattle, Jay Buner. Here's one for you. Horse walks into a bar. Bartender says, hey, why the long face? Here's one for you. Aren't you glad he decided to play right field for the Mariners instead? All right, up next is our friend Chris Estrada, who is our Modesto Nuts insider. The Modesto Nuts are... The Seattle Mariners, a affiliate. These are where all the top prospects first start out from the draft to Modesto. Then you go to Everett, then Arkansas, Tacoma, maybe to Seattle. Anyways, he's been around a lot of the players that are on the Mariners team right now, that young nucleus. Uh, just this past season, though, the Modesto Nuts had a 16-game winning streak at the end of the season. They ended up winning their league, a big, huge comeback, almost all off. It felt like the Mariners organization in 2022, maybe back in 95. Cool little story. We're talking to him about it right here. Big push at the end of the season. You, you, you toppled Fresno by one game because you guys had a 16-game Winning streak. We mentioned a little bit of that at the top. Uh, was this, this kind of just reminds me when I'm looking at this of the 2022 Mariners when the season was like, eh, it was not very good. And then they went on a 14 game winning streak to, to get them out of that. We saw the Mariners do this this year. Uh, and to see that the younger guys are doing this was a lot of fun. And like I said, was the silver linings. Of, of watching these broadcasts you, you get like a half a breath of fresh air to going don't worry more good people are coming uh well, we'd see this can you tell us about that winning streak when did you guys uh start really like when when did it start to be a buzz especially uh there in modesto and stuff like that with the with the fans and stuff yeah so definitely so i'll tell you so our season our regular season ended on september 3rd was the last game of the regular season one month back, August 3rd, the Nuts were nine games out of first place. They were nine games behind Fresno. So it's it's crazy to think that, yeah, they, when they won those 16 games in a row, and they ended up needing that 17th win. And just it makes you think that they really needed every single one of those games. And it's crazy. Like, this, this team, like – I can get into it more in a bit about like all these new guys that came up. And I think that was the biggest thing. Like the first half of the season was a little up and down. Um, they had a lot of uh, 
issues with pitching, I think, was the biggest thing. Their bullpen was a little bit up and down. Um, and But that second half of the season, they just started shutting it down. Like, they, the, the pitching staff was just so different than the first half. And, and the thing is, they had a majority of the same guys. Like, something just clicked for them. Um, and especially, like, the biggest thing, I think, for this – um, that this whole playoff run and that 16 game win streak was the guys just didn't get, didn't give up. Like they, they played for each other. Um, the Mariners, they actually had a saying, um, they had these, all the, I think all the Mariners minor league team, minor league teams got these uh, shirts issued. And the saying was nine on one past the baton. Um, and so the saying was that it's like, Hey, you know, we're not, we're, we're a team, we're playing together, just, you know, you do your part and let us let the next guy continue on and do the rest. And they really did that because there were so many come from behind wins. It was it was crazy. And actually, all four of the playoff games, the the other team scored first. So they came back in every single one of those games. Clutch hitting, hitting with runners in scoring position, not leaving the bases loaded. Things that win ball games, things that didn't really happen for the big club this year, huh? <laughs> no. Yeah, but at, le- <laughs> but at least they're doing it down there. There, there is hope. Well, I'm wondering if they're controlling the zone as well. You know, he's talking about t-shirts. Did you guys ever have to control control the zone but, t-shirts? <laughs> yeah, I think they. Yeah, I think they did have those. <laughs> but, but man, I do got to say, man, the one thing I was sad about is so um, that Saturday game, the one the Mariners lost. Um, was actually the day for um, where they honored their minor leaguers with their minor league awards. Yeah. Um, and they had a, a multiple of the nuts players won those awards. Correct. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, man, this is great. You know, the Mariners need a win. We got the nuts players there. You know, they're going to give good vibes. You know, they're going to just give that mojo back to the Mariners. And then that's the game that they lost. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. funny. Up next, I know you Seattle rockers will know this guy. He's from KISW 99.9 The Rock. We're talking about Steve Miggs. Uh, he's got a great story, maybe one of my favorite stories. It's when he had credentials, and I use the word had because he doesn't have credentials by the end of this episode. It involves a pizza. It involves the Mariners. It involves Ichiro. It involves 107.7 The End. Let's check it out. Uh, what a great time to be uh you know, I moved here in the late 90s, so the team wasn't awful. Uh, and then, of course, then there was that amazing 2001 season. At that time, I'm working at the end. Dude, I was getting access to go and interview players in the locker room. Like, they – at the time, they – like – and I'll, I'll share a great story of how we got banned from the Mariners uh, because of <laughs> stupidity of the guy I worked with. Uh, but I was going to the, the – to go get audio of the players, but I was getting like random audio. Like we were on a sports talk station. We were a morning radio show. That I was trying to make people laugh and sometimes failing miserably at it. But I really got to get to know Jay Buner during that time because wow. he did not talk to media at all, but I came in in my own stupid wisdom, which actually worked. I came in with CDs and I bribed him. I was like, Hey dude, if you talk to me, I'll hook you up with some CDs. Like, I don't even <laughs> This guy's, and he goes, well, what do you got? I'm like, I got Allison Chain's box set. He goes, all right, yeah, let's do it. So then that kind of became a joke. Like, I would get to talk to him. I'd bring a CD for him and hook him up with it. He could afford a record store at that time. Like, he's Jay freaking Buner. But I think he got a kick out of the fact that, A, I wasn't asking, like, boring, in his eyes, probably boring sports questions. 
I was just talking music with him and, and, and keeping it on the surface about baseball. Like, you know, it wasn't anything hard hitting. I was never going to hit him with like a hard question about how the team's doing. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't good enough at that. Like, and I didn't even think to take advantage of those opportunities, but it was great. Like I had a decent relationship with Ken, uh, with uh, Jay Buhner because of that. Also, uh, uh, Moyer was pretty cool. Uh, there was a few, but the thing that got us kicked out, our host was obsessed with trying to get an interview with Ichiro. He, that's all he wanted. He's like, I just want to get some, even if it's a 30 second interview, but the team's like, no, he doesn't really speak English and it's very limited and it's not going to happen. Somewhere he found out that Ichiro was a fan of pizza, which I mean, okay. So <laughs> I show up to meet up with my host, Andy at the time. And I'm like, okay, we're going to meet up. We're going to go into the locker rooms and do the interviews. And we have our press pass and all that. So getting in was easy. He shows up with a pizza box. And I'm like, what are you doing with the pizza? He's like, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to bribe Ichiro with a pizza. So he talked to us and dude, we come down and I, and I got, I, I got to imagine it was Lou Pinella. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I, I, I it must've been, this is forever ago, obviously we go down and whoever was one of the managers of the team are like, who do you have for these guys? Like, I could hear them saying this and I've never felt more small because I'm like, we look like the biggest idiots and rightfully so we showed up to a prep all the other media looking at us like we're they already thought we were nimrods i mean i'm showing up with cds like you know but like cds are easy i can put them in my my jacket pocket they don't no smell right they don't <laughs> smell they're not edible yeah got, so finally like the pr guy at the time who's still there uh, greg green awesome guy uh, one of the, I, I know he's worked his way up the ladder and like kevin martinez as well i've always loved those guys even though we deservingly got kicked out of the locker room because they're just like, guys, what are you doing? What, what's wrong with you? I, it's like, why are you bringing a pizza into a locker room? And Andy, without missing a beach, just like, well, uh, we wanted to talk to each other. And we're like, they're like, we said you, you can't. He's like, well, I figured if I give him some pizza, I'll talk. He's like, that's not his decision. Like, we're in charge of this. You don't show up with a pizza. <laughs> it's so stupid. Fast forward five minutes later, we've been kicked out. Our credentials have been taken from us. And we're sitting outside of the... <laughs> out of the stadium and he's just eating the pizza and I'm looking at him. It's like, I, I felt like we were like James Simon Bob or some kind of random weird movie. And I'm like, why do you think that was a good idea? He's like, I don't know. I thought it was a good idea. He's like, do you want a slice? I'm like, well, yeah, of course I want a slice. Of pizza. I'm hungry. Dude. And we never got uh, access to, and granted we didn't really try very hard. Cause I mean, I'm not going back to them and being like, Hey, give us another chance. They, they were always still cool to me. And to this day, like, I have a great relationship with, with those guys when I see them, but I, you know, obviously our show, we don't need to have access to a locker room. So I never had to broach that again, but you know, we've done things with the Mariners here at KSW that right. they don't hold it against me. Uh, I, and also I wasn't the one who brought the pizza, but I was guilt by association. But after that, the relationship with the Mariners ended, you know, just like, yeah. no, you guys are dorks. Like, no, we're not, <laughs> we're not working with you guys again. I think this group of Mariners would probably have taken the pizza. That's uh, yes. <laughs> it's a different animal now. But also the funny part about that too is you brought the pizza, and it's like these guys are major leaguers. They have catering. They have everything they possibly would want to eat already. You know, provided for them. Like I, I think if Ichiro wants pizza, they'll make him a pizza that's probably better than the Domino's that we brought with us. Like, I got this inside thing. They don't, the Mariners don't provide pizza for their players. So we're going to bring a pizza. I love it. <laughs> uh, Baseball sure has changed, Junior. Yeah, the hexagon replaced the diamond. And can you imagine facing three pitches? Emerson on base. Oh, the 
Face ejector caught him snoozing. He goes Why did it all change? All sport game just got too easy. The unsurpassed taste of all sport. A third more carbs than Gatorade for energy could make a difference. Next yeah. up, your grandson's up. Ken Griffey the fourth. Next, it's going, it's going. Watch out, center board. Oh. oh. Center board got him. He was robbed. All sport body quencher. The game will never be the same. All right, up to bat next is a good friend of mine, NBC's Carl Tart. You might know him from Grand Crew or the upcoming series in the know, the Mike Judge series that is going to be on Peacock. He's also been on Star Trek Lower Decks. He was a writer for Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Brockmire, Keenan, and he's been one of my day one uh, Los Angeles Hollywood friends, uh, somebody that we have uh, vicariously lived through each other's sports teams. We go to spring training annually. This conversation is about our Airbnb that we had down in Arizona and, and throwing a little bit of shade at uh, Chase Field. Well, now that you're back on the podcast, what what do you want to talk about? Uh we we still haven't gotten a chance to talk about spring training. Yeah, we haven't. So yeah, we went to spring training. What was our second spring training? Now it's an annual thing, right? Yeah. One thing, and and this time it was interesting because I realized that I don't necessarily like Arizona that much. First time it was like the excitement of being there. First time it was the excitement of being in Arizona. The excitement of being at spring training. But now I'm like this. This time I was like, ah. It had a little stank on it this time, don't you think? Well, I think we might have been staying around a stank area as well. A little the, bit, the, the place that we stayed at wasn't bad. I mean, well, speaking of stank, uh, glad you brought that up. That's a perfect seg- segue to talk about the place that we were staying in. Because speaking of stank, it definitely we were not allowed to uh, throw toilet paper in the toilet. <laughs> no, that was that was that was that was the thing that was. Like last year when we got our Airbnb, it was that it was a converted what garage that they yeah. or <laughs> it was a converted <laughs> garage with no with no kitchen. I was wondering when I first walked. I didn't realize when I first when we first walked in. I didn't realize that you had gotten there before me. You and you and uh, the ninja had gotten there before me, and I was uh, I, I I couldn't believe I was like something's weird about these walls. Like the 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 ceiling was real short. And the walls felt like thin. I'm like, is somebody living in these walls? And then we did hear people. Apparently, there were people staying on the other side of the house. And on the part that we were in, there was no kitchen. There was a, a, a microwave and a coffee machine in the in the living room. Now, granted, that's how most hotels are. There's no kitchen. There's just a microwave and a coffee machine. Sometimes not even a microwave. Like, not even, not even that. You don't even get that. But when you stay at an Airbnb... Like it's called Airbnb for a reason. It's supposed to be bed and breakfast, supposed to have a kitchen and everything like that. I feel like there should be regulation towards that. I'm not a big fan of Airbnb, but the, ho- the hotel prices were way too uh, expensive when we went this time. World Baseball Classic and something else was going on. NASCAR. NASCAR and spring training. So hotels, like even in bad areas, were like 400 bucks a night. Too much money when you want to see the games. No, we uh, had a good looking place, except for that we couldn't you know flush our our toilet tissue <laughs> but i got a secret i did i did a couple times too uh the money's already been paid i'm sure they don't listen to this show but i did too because i wasn't i mean what do you want me to do you want me to put my shitty toilet paper in a plastic bag and walk it outside that's crazy that's insane well one of the bathrooms had a bidet which was interesting uh you know that was like my first time using a bidet for a week 
gotta say, I kind of liked it, but also, you know, that thing can catch you off guard in the morning. That was one part of it. The second part of Arizona, which was interesting, was we kept running into places that. So we, when we first went down to the WBC to watch uh, USA play against uh, Great Britain, pretty good Britain, uh, there was nothing open. There was all these storefronts down there, and there was nothing open. And then we went to Marley's, but we couldn't get in. Dan Marley's uh, downtown pub. And here's what's crazy about that is the Suns had a game that day against the Kings, which I'm glad they lost because I don't like the Suns. Uh, but nothing was open. The only thing that was open, but it was two packs, was the, the Taco Bell Cantina, which I still have not been to. Everybody talks about how dope Taco Bell Cantina is. But remember, we got in the in the stadium. A lot of the restaurants were closed inside the stadium, mm-hmm. and none of the bathrooms. Again, we kept running. This was a. This is why Arizona was shitty this time. And I'll say this <laughs> literally. Literally shitty because at the Airbnb we was at, you couldn't you couldn't flush the toilet, and then you get to the to where the Diamondbacks play. What is that field called? Chase Field. Chase Field. None of the damn, none of the the bathrooms had toilet paper. I don't know what's going on. Mr. Buner, will you play Pepper with me? I can't, son. It's against the rules. How many times have you heard that? Hi, I'm Ken Griffey Jr. When I'm not running the bases, I'm running for president. Vote for me, and I promise to erase every no pepper sign in America. Mr. Griffey, will you play pepper with me? Sure, kid. Could you help me out with some swing shapes? Oh, yeah, I guess. A shoe on every foot and a pepper game in every backyard. I think Ken Griffey is spending too much time on the field, not enough time on issues like the flat tax. No pepper? I say yes to pepper. Look, pepper was outlawed for a reason. It tears up the turf. You know how big this thing was? Look at this. Pepper van, and right under there, Korean War ends. The man don't want you to play pepper. You gonna listen to the man? If you outlaw pepper, only outlaws will play pepper. So where does the candidate stand on real issues, like the flat tax? I mean, if they're so smart in Washington, why don't they have a baseball team? Baseball without pepper is like baseball without baseballs. Hey, anyone can champion pepper. It takes a real man to champion the flat tax. It's pepper that people want. They don't care about the minimum wage, the flat tax. They want pepper, and they want it now. Pepper to the people, man. Land of the free? Why can't I play pepper? Jefferson should have said life, liberty, pepper in the pursuit of happiness, because it just didn't sound right. But that's what they meant to say. I know that. And where does this moose stand on the flat tax? All right, this next segment is with writer, comedian, actor Bill Posley. If you uh, enjoyed the Cobra Kai series, well, good news, he was a writer on that. He's also written the upcoming Ferris Bueller's Day Off reboot. In this segment, we're talking about the love of the movie Little Big League and also kind of an embarrassing moment that I talked about when I uh, had an interaction with uh, Wesley Snipes on uh, Hollywood Boulevard. Here it is. Am I wrong or am I right? What sports movie are you the... Is it Little Big League? Yeah, it is Little Big League where Griffey is a Yeah. It is, and it's against the Minnesota Twins. Uh, right. He also he also makes a cameo. 
not as a villain, but I think a strikeout, a strikeout uh, victim. And uh, what's what's the one? Oh gosh, dang! I can't. How can I forget this name? It's rookie the of the, the year. That, rookie of the year. He's in rookie of yeah, the yeah, year yeah. as well. But yes, in uh, little big league, he is the villain without saying much. He's he's yeah, not. Yeah. He's not Fleetwood, whatever his name is, in a, a, a major league. You know, right, he's not right. yelling things from the dugout. Uh, but uh, yeah, Griffey is is the villain uh, in that movie. That is a that is actually a, a really a really good baseball movie. I, some of them I've went back that they don't hold up as well. Yeah, no, I, I dude, Little Big League was one of my favorite movies. It has one of my favorite lines. In what any it? movie, it's when uh, the when the the manager, the kid, has to fire one of the players. It's his first like this is the real. This is oh, what it's yeah, really yeah, yeah. about. Mm-hmm. This is the, the guy who hits thing. the C, the guy who hits the CNI single, and he's like, he was actually, yeah, yeah. And they make it really well that he was like that was the that was like his his favorite player growing up as a fan as well. Yeah, he he goes, he goes, Jerry, oh my God, Jerry just hit a single. And he goes, don't you think there's a problem when we're rooting a a routine single? And then he brings them into the office and he's like, Jerry, I love you. You were one of my favorite players. You know that one day somebody tried to ask me to trade a Wade Boggs rookie card for you and I wouldn't do it. (laughs) I wouldn't do it because you were like my favorite player. And he goes, great. I'm going to tell my wife and kids now that uh, we have to move. But don't worry, the kid likes my baseball card, and it's just so <laughs> good. It is, and and real, but very and real, very, and real. Like that's a real. Like, I wonder if there was like some other bullshit line in there, and somebody was like, "This doesn't feel real enough." Let's. Well, what are we trying to say here? Well, this is what we're trying to put that in there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It 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 is that is. Man, I haven't thought about that scene in a while thank you for for bringing that one movie in so long but yeah yeah i just recently watched uh major league just it was just on i caught it like right was it that they were at spring training the other night oh yeah oh yeah and and it was just like i mean there's parts of it that obviously can't do now but that's just the (laughs) just just including the the uniforms but uh that movie too just has a bunch of lines that I've started to like I've growing up. I mean, I liked all these other lines that everybody else, the player said, and now I'm really into what all the manager has to say. That's like my, yeah, new, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's my new, that's my new thing where if you've seen a movie 900 times, you got to look for something else to, you know, really appreciate about it. And you're like, Oh, that's what I like. I really love listening to, to Lou Brown. Dude, his, Oh my God. You run like haze, but you hit like you hit shit. Like shit, yeah. <laughs> I walked up to um, Wesley Snipes outside of the IO that he was at something next. Whoa! Time. And this was like my midnight. favorite actor of the '90s, by the way. Just my favorite. He. We could talk about that a whole nother. I love him. I embarrassed myself. I <laughs> went up to him, and I don't do this. I just don't do this. And it was like one of those nights. Like I had a really good show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple yeah. of drinks, and somebody's like, "He's over there at next door," and that was fine. And now it's two hours later; the bar's closing down, and I and I went over to him, and I was like, "Wesley Snipes," I was just like, "I love you." And he's like, "Thanks," and I was like, 
you run like Hayes and you hit like, and I go, hold on, you run like, and he goes, I get it. I get it. I, get it. I, <laughs> and I stumbled over the fucking lines. I fucking stumbled over the lines. And then I was just like, I was, and I don't get pictures and I don't do anything. And then I, I still had the phone in my hand and I could see him looking at my hand. I was like, thank you. And I just walked away. And it was like this line that I've said and everybody <laughs> knows. And I, and I don't know if it was nerves and I, I it's probably alcohol, but I just, and I was like, not only, I should have just kept on going through it. And then I was like, let me start it again. Let me take that back. Let me take that back. And he was like, he goes, I, I get it. I get it. And I was yeah, like, I've heard I it. Felt, no, you're, this is a millionth time. Yeah. I, I yeah. I, I know he should have been like, I wonder if other people butchered it as bad as I did. And I was just, this is like one of these nights I just had such a great show and I couldn't feel better about myself as an actor, clean dialogue the whole night, did my work. And then I walk up to one of the best actors in our lifetime and I just, completely embarrassed myself and i just remember having to go back in and talk to vlad and talk to carl <laughs> and it was just like i didn't give him the whole business right there i was like oh yeah it was hella cool you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like down to earth guy supercross this weekend in the kingdom but quarters beer supercross double header Alright, up next is the Pike Street Drummer. If you go down to Pike Place Market... Well, this is the drummer. He also is the drummer outside of Seattle Mariners games, Seahawks games, any of the major Seattle events. You'll probably see him there. So this is a, a segment about how he picks which songs he wants to play during particular emotional moments, highs, lows. Let's check it out. So you've yeah. been doing this for people that uh, you know don't make it out to T-Mobile Park. Maybe they're listening out on the East Coast or whatever. You're playing the drums outside of the left field uh, entrance pretty much every home game. I think I've only missed probably like six to seven of them. And uh, those were like mental uh, mental days I had to take for myself. But other than that, man, I've been out there. Uh, rain, sleet, snow, high winds, winds, loses, zombie apocalypse. Just, just been out, <laughs> you know, it's dedicated, you know. Yeah, you are the vibe. You are literally the the first and the last thing thing you see. Yeah, it's pretty cool because um, cause I feel like I'm like the first line of uh, inspiration when fans are going into the stadium. So I feel like if I can get them hyped and give them enough energy, they can kind of uh, transfer that from the stands onto the field. And then, you know, the players want to play for uh, fans supporting them. They kind of want to show out, you know. And the more fans in the stadium – already turned up and hype, you know, I think the better we perform. So it's almost a symbiosis of, uh, of collaborations going on, you know? Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting. You play with the highest of highs and the lowest of lows of the emotions of the fans coming out. Uh, what's your like go-to if we just had a big walk-off victory, everybody's coming out of the stadium charged up. What's, what's your go-to? So I reel them in with some Michael Jackson, and then for Michael Jackson, uh, I get them dancing with each other with Dance With Somebody. 
And then, uh, you know, we just keep the party going for a little bit. And then I, I, I got to throw in that don't stop believing just so the fans know, you know, win, lose or draw, you know, we still support the Mariners. You know what I mean? That always gets them riled up. And, uh, and then I take it to some more dancing. And then I, I sometimes have to like stop because they won't stop dancing. So I'm like, all right, this is the last song. They're like, no. Yeah, I'm like, you know, I, I play uh, Peaches um, from the, the Super Mario Brothers track. That's kind of like the, the last song of the night. And that's kind of like my uh, curtain call song. And so, you know, uh, I play that and let them know like, hey, I got to go home because, you know, I, I don't live here on, in front of left field gate. So, yeah. <laughs> That, yeah. yeah, that's some expensive real estate down there. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. And so let's just go to the flip side of that. Let's just think, let's just, uh, how about like, look, last year, probably the lowest feeling or was obviously the playoff game when the Mariners lost to the Houston Astros. Yeah. What are you playing? What's the vibe like? What are the people like you when this is going on as well? Well, well, the game before, okay, so we, that when we made that playoff berth, like that game that night was crazy. It was like everybody was dancing. And I think after the game, people were dancing like two hours after the game had ended. And really? Was, yeah, I have video of that on my Instagram. And I'm just, it's just like you just see this tiny little drummer surrounded by like 3,000 fans going crazy. So like that was a good experience versus uh, when we lost that. It was still like really somber. I know um, fans took it hard I took it hard you know we we always want to win but I still you know wanted to provide that good energy that good vibe you know like I say win lose or draw it's always going to be a party at you know left field gate so a lot of fans appreciate it a lot of fans were like I don't want to dance with nobody get out of here guys you know what I mean? like, <laughs> like I stop believing you know but but still, but still you know uh we're still going to party and have a good time I think the fans appreciate it um and I and I think it's uh it's all it's becoming a part of the tradition, uh going to the ballpark. I know a lot of parents hit me up and and their kids are like, can we see Pike Street Drummer after the game? You know, and then the games I'm not there, which is probably like those six or seven that I missed. You know, they were a little they're a little bummed, and so they they you know DM me the messages of their kids, and so I post those. You know, I like to post um from the fans experience perspective of uh, what they're experiencing at the park. So like, that's really cool. Yeah. And you've been doing this now for four seasons. Is that yeah, correct? I think it's three, my third or fourth season. Yeah. At the park. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of, it's kind of flew by a little bit because I was playing on first and Pike. That's where I got my start. Right. And then um, a couple of people were suggesting like, Hey, you should like go play in front of the Mariner stadium. And I was like, okay, okay. People kept asking. And so I like finally set up in front of left field gate. And then the parks, uh, the park manager came out and he was like, Hey, uh, who, who are you with? And like, how did you get here? Or like, who did you talk to? I was like, man, I just set up. He was like, whatever you do, man, just keep coming back. And we're not going to say anything if nobody else says anything. And so since then I just been there, man. Five bread and mustard, a Mariners podcast. We have the one and only Mr. Tom Hutler. How are you doing? Doing well, guys. Thank you for having me. There was one time I came out of a watering hole in West Seattle, and somebody and this guy had been overserved. I came out of the restaurant. And he goes, "You're the you're the Mariner guy." I go, "Yeah." And he goes, "Could you do Ken Griffey Jr.?" And I said, "Okay." So I did it, and he goes, 
You're a great man. <laughs> I love it. Listen and subscribe to Rye Bread and Mustard, a Meredith podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. All right, we're in for a treat, especially if you are a big Mariners fan. You've been a fan for a long time. We have Tom Hutler, Seattle Mariners PA announcer Tom Hutler. has been holding that job down since 1987. Also a Seattle radio legend. Talking a little bit in the first person here uh, about knowing Dave Niehaus and working with Dave Niehaus. This was uh, a lot of fun. We recorded this at Murphy's, and immediately following that, we are going to have a excerpt from our... Uh, Phone call that we made to the owner of Murphy's, Shelly, who we met Tom Hutler from, after Tom Murphy signed with the Giants. She's a big fan. If you've been following the show, you already know that. Anyways, let's check these guys out. The Ninja's here. He's part of part of our staff while we're here. You had a question for him that you asked me to ask, but I want you to ask it. Oh, uh, I just wanted to hear any like uh, good stories about Dave Niehaus. Mm. You know, if you have any like. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Stories you could bring up, yeah. share with the crowd. Well, first of all, he was he was as good as it gets and um, was very gracious to me. And, you know, he suffered just as much as the fans did. Yeah. You know, it was... We could tell. It, it was apparent. I, I was talking to this, saying this to somebody the other day about Rick Riz is perennially upbeat optimistic yep the sun will come up tomorrow if not like in, in an hour and so <laughs> and you know so rick is so you know very very optimistic and dave would let it kind of he you know he he kind of wears his emotions on his sleeve during a game it's like you know if somebody made a mistake or gave up a you know basis loaded walk or failed to get a bunt down you know you could hear it in his voice he wasn't sugarcoating it and um but he was he was so good at making a game that was a blowout loss <laughs> sound like it was the most important game in the world. Just the way he would talk about maybe the fact that they'd gone to the you know World War II museum or some some something oh, yeah. that was in the city they were visiting, or even just down in Arizona during spring training about something they did during the day. He was just so good at weaving stories and making them. You know, part of the game, even though they weren't part of the game, it was more of a way to just keep the listener interested. And I, I think there's an art to that that, you know, a lot of the guys today don't have um, that that certain uh, flair for that. And the storytelling is now it's a lot of a lot of numbers, a lot yeah. of analytics. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, um, some of the stories I probably 
wouldn't be able to tell uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and get away with it. But uh, he he definitely was colorful. He was definitely, um, uh, you know, just a great family guy, his wife Marilyn and their kids. And um, Marilyn and I are Facebook friends, so she'll always make a comment on, like, my grandkids or something like that. But um, when he <clears throat> when he passed, it hit me really, really hard. Yeah. And okay. Kevin Kremen, who's the longtime producer and engineer for the broadcasts, you know, he was with Dave through the whole the whole shooting match and um it was tough for guys like they uh, like kevin who you know they were like partners business partners for seven months out of the year yeah so um that became like their second family for all those guys and so and dave was you know so well respected in the business by other um broadcasters and other teams so you could tell that he had even though he was working in a smaller market that he was definitely big league all the way. By the way, he, you could see him treated. I in I think it was 2002 through 2006. I was at Como Radio, and we had the broadcast rights for those four to four or six years. And so I had to go down to spring training and cover the team during spring training, which was great. But I'd get to sit in the booth with him because I wasn't doing the public address announcing there. So I'd get to sit in the booth with him during the game, and then once the starting pitcher got uh, taken out. I'd go to the clubhouse and get some audio with them. Um, but, uh, you know, it'd be guys coming in that were not even on the roster and numerically, and it's like guys coming in to pitch, and they're like, yeah, well, they got, you know, 72. Now John Jones coming in, and he turned the mic off, and he goes, who the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> and that's so, what the fans are doing at home. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't, you know, he's like. Definitely had some Harry Doyle from uh, yeah, Major League for sure. in, in him. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he is a great. I I'm, I miss him every every year. And, and he does that uh, welcome back baseball poem that he reads at the beginning of every year. And I tear up every year at that. That is. Yeah. I, I know. I was going to ask you about that. I know. Um, at the beginning of the year, also, the Mariners do a great job. Have a young child come out from Make-A-Wish and run the bases. That must be one of the more heart-wrenching things yeah. that you have to talk about. But it's so special and so cool. What yeah, it is. Do. It is really cool. In the first year they did it, um, I didn't know that we were going to continue to do it every year. I thought it was maybe just part of the opening of that, of that particular season since it was the first season. And I'm so glad they've kept it in. And it's, it's uh, you know, been really cool. Uh, when when we had you know Jay and and Dan and Junior and those guys would you know come out of the dugout to wait for the kid coming home and yeah I mean that just super emotional super uh, you know just a, a great feeling and again you know you're right the Mariners do a great job of producing these games and putting the, the pregame stuff together and the in game stuff together they've won awards that they give out there's an award they give out kind of like a you know a grammy or an emmy and they do it in for for game presentation and sports franchises and the mariners uh, perpetually win those awards major league baseball presents big league tips here's how to figure an earned run average first of all take the total number of earned runs that you've allowed say 20. you divide that by the number of innings that you've pitched let's say 80. now that'll give you a figure 80 into 20 of 0.250 now you take .250, multiply that by nine to give you a number of runs per nine inning. It, this would be 2.25. An ERA of that, you'd be pitching awfully well. Baseball fever, catch it.
Major League Baseball. Two two quick stories. I uh, I don't know if your homework revealed this, but I actually called. I actually did play by play for two games. Back oh, I in, did not get that. Back, I can't. It was in the Kingdom, and um, they Randy Adamack, who just retired as their longtime uh, vice president of marketing. Uh, and communications asked me one time, would you want to fill in? Dave's taking the day off, and would you want to do the game? And I, I did it with uh, Ken Levine. Oh, yeah, Ken Levine. I and, uh, and I said, yeah, that'd be great. But then I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? I'm so nervous. <laughs> like, not only am I doing a Major League Baseball game, but I'm doing it with in place of Dave Niehaus for the day. And it turned out we were playing Cleveland, and Charlie Nagy of the of the uh, Indians had a no hitter going through like five innings. And uh, Kremen, Kevin Kremen goes, that was his Dave. He said if he goes one more inning, he's coming in from his barbecue to come in and call the end of the game because he doesn't want to miss calling a no hitter. I said he's that's fine. So he ended up giving up the no hitter, and then uh, filled it another time and worked with Dave. And so that was just. Amazing, you know, to hear him say, "Now, dear, for the third inning, you're Tom Butler." I'm going, <laughs> yeah. See, it was just, uh, it, just a humbling experience and very, very, I mean, very memorable for me. I mean, I finally got around to listening to the air checks of that um, last summer, because <laughs> I, uh, I had told somebody about it. And they go, "No, you didn't." I said, "Yeah, I did. I, I'll find the tape. I'll prove it to you." So, <laughs> yeah, um, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. So I don't think I did bad, but you know. Um, it was uh, it was really fun, and um, the other quick Dave story I was going to mention was that uh, when I was with Como and we had the broadcast rights, we were uh, depending on who was doing the post game show it was either me or Tom Glasgow at the time who does a lot of the stuff for Root Sports now, but they would kick it back to us in the studio for a sports update from other sports at the end of the eighth inning I think it was and so um, the uh, Kevin Kremen would hand a card, you know, he'd hand a card for any little any little reads that Dave was doing, or Rick or anybody, a card that would say, you know, it was like a, a plug for whatever one of the sponsors was. But this particular card he would hand to Dave, and it would say, and now let's go back to our flagship station, KOMO, for an update with Tom Hutler. So that's the only reason we can think that this happened, but when it did happen, um, he came back from the break, and I can't remember the Angels pitcher. Uh, Scott Shields? Steve Shields? Scott Shields? Scott Shields. Scott Shields. He goes, all right, we're back. Now Scott Shields is here to face Tom Hutler. And (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, boy, he'd like to face Tom Hutler. (laughs) But I just thought, what the heck? So Kremen said, the only thing I can think of is that he just said senior name on that card. It was just in his mind when he went back to call the game. But I thought, I've had that on tape somewhere, and now we had a big crash of our system that had all of our audio in it so i it's no more it is no more unless you know kevin knew what particular game it was which wouldn't surprise me but uh that was yeah tom hutler got the bat in the big leagues dave niehaus said it there it was <laughs> that, that, is, that is great young randy johnson's neighbors could see his fastball coming but Randy was her paper boy, and every afternoon he'd ride his bike down the street whipping papers. Oh, even then, he threw 70 to 80 miles an hour. One day, he beamed the family cat, Whiskers. Whiskers survived, but he's never been the same. 
uh, Tom Murphy going to the Giants. Two years, $8 million. That's where he we originally got him from. You were a big yeah. fan of Murphy. You have the, the Murphy bat. It's the uh, end of an era in Seattle. How does this feel? Do you think this is something that the Mariners should have jumped on at this price, or do you think it, this is it was time to uh, part ways with him due to his It's hard inactivity? to tell, you know. I wish Murphy could have stayed healthy last year and, you know, the year before that. I have a feeling he's going to thrive in San Francisco. He's probably going to be, you know, another bold prediction, like what Tom Murphy and Kelnick, National League All-Stars next year, <laughs> the way the Mariners go. I could see, like... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I know Hanno doesn't care. He was pretty critical of uh, Tom Murphy this whole time. But the biggest Tom Murphy fan, we got to check in on her. If you've been listening to our podcast for a while, you know that we are good friends and uh, supporters, and they support us. Uh, Murphy's Irish Pub on 45th in the Wallingford area. Uh, we've recorded uh, some really good podcasts there, recorded with Tom Hutler there, the owner, Shelly, big supporter of the podcast, big Tom Murphy fan, bats, jerseys. I'm pretty sure she named her bar after him. Anyways, let's give her a call and see what she's got to say. Hello. Shelly, we are Hello? Call- Shelly, we are calling to check your vital signs. Uh, how are you doing? I'm just so sad. It's so silly. So, uh, Dang it. Have you... What what are we doing? Are we renovating and changing the name of the bar? What what's going to happen? <laughs> no, all of that will stay just the same. We'll still have the bat on display and the baseball, and um, I'll still wear my Murphy jersey with pride, Myron. Um, my husband just said he won't. He's dead to him. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's he's a smart man. He's he's all about the the name and the front of the jersey instead of the back, Shelly. <laughs> I suppose, yes, I suppose. <laughs> so, so, speaking of Tom Murphy jerseys, how many Tom Murphy jerseys do you actually own? I have three, and I love each one of them. That, and I think Tom Murphy has more than three Murphy shirts from the bar because I took them down to spring training and gave them to him. <laughs> that, that's right. Well, I I gotta say, you probably are the Guinness Book world record holder of tom murphy jerseys i'm gonna have to check in on that and see if we can get you a certificate so yeah you guys do have a tom murphy bat at your bar uh it's displayed uh prominently right above the bar how did you get that bat from tom uh we had asked for a donation from um from him for our salmon for soldiers golf tournament and one of the customers won it and then gave it to me and then put it but then we displayed it there because they knew I love Tom Murphy and Tom was always so good about when I would get in touch with him that he would donate stuff for especially serving veterans he loves he loves veterans and um so so that's how I got it and it was such a nice that the Santa for Soldiers won and I won even better now, and now I can go beat, beat the Mariner ownership with it maybe yeah <laughs> so are you going to get a San Francisco Giants Murphy jersey. And a second follow-up question, is your husband going to allow that to happen? <laughs> um, I don't know if I can do that. It is the Giants, you know, and um, even though they're not in our our side, I still don't know. So, if I were to get a Tom Murphy Giants jersey, would you allow that? Yeah. Maybe at the golf course, but not at the pub. <laughs> uh, that's smart. Uh 
Hey, Shelly, it's Ninja here. At least we're going to see, at least we're going to still get to see him in spring training, right? Well, that's, that is true. I did not think about that. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. So I can still bring him the newest and latest Murphy t-shirt. Yeah, I still got a chance to get my bat signed. Yeah, uh, you can yeah. check him out over in Scottsdale, which is, I got to admit, uh, a much more, a way better social area than than uh, Peoria. Uh, yeah, that's. True. Now, Hanno, my regular co-host, is still trying to organize this bat burning um, and jersey burning <laughs> on the corner of Densmore and 45th. Um, what do you got to say about that? Are, are you going to be there? Are you going to be attending? It's not happening. And I bet Hanno has a secret love for Tom Murphy. He has jerseys, too. He just won't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I did not think about that. Uh, I think he sleeps in it. <laughs> I have a little project. Well, once again, Edgar Martinez is using Eagle Hardware's incredible selection of brand name power tools for his latest project. And uh, here's a surprise. Uh, for once, it's not a bat. Oh, it is a bat. It's a light bat. Eagle Hardware and Garden. More of everything. All right, we've reached the controversial part of the show where we are talking about a little bit of Lou Pinella, then it kind of turns into a Pete Rose uh, shade fest here with our good friends from the new Nasty Boys, this awesome Cincinnati Reds podcast. You should check it out. We had one of the co-hosts, Billy, on here, and he was dropping some he was dropping some Pete Rose knowledge that I had no idea about and also talking about how beloved Lou Pinella is in the Queen City. Reds fan, real quickly too. What is your stance on Pete Rose? No, no, don't. If you're going to say put him in the Hall of Fame, I've been very firm on this stance. Uh, no, uh, not just because of betting on baseball, but because he had opportunities to get out of it, and he lied and continued to lie. And then when it came time, you know, he fessed up. He fessed up because he was selling a book. What a dirtbag! You know, I get it. Did... It's not. It's not the Hall of Hall of Good People. It's the Hall of Fame. I get it. But you can easily tell baseball story without Pete Rose. You know. So with Pete I, with Pete Rose, with Pete Rose, how what is the general feeling around Cincinnati? I know he played for the Phillies too, but what is the general is it like a would you say it's like he needs to be in there or would you say it's it's more on on on, on in your on your side? People there? people love Pete. Uh I don't get it. Um because of that and you know, he grew up in Western Hills, west side of Cincinnati. People are obsessed. Oh, I love Pete. It's so odd. You know, here people are endearing and embrace him and they love him so much and the hit king and he should be in the hall and they forgive him time and time again. Whenever you like talk to somebody, you go, hey, what do you think of Pete Rose? One out of four people are going to have a story or, well, two, you know, actually one out of two people are going to have a story about meeting him. Half the time, it's going to be like, man, he was so nice. He was so great. The other time is he was such a dirtbag and so unbelievably rude. Let me tell you. So um, I also have a policy. Um, you can't be in the Hall of Fame if you dated children. So <laughs> it's, it's a pretty yeah, hard I, I, rule. I can subscribe to that rule. So yeah. It's a, and, it's a pretty easy rule to follow and not break. Yeah, man. So I didn't know how, how loosey goosey, but that's that's the politest way I can put it. If you just uh, Google Pete Rose, 14 year old, you'll find a lot and it's pretty gross. So uh, that's another reason I don't think he should be in the Hall of Fame. 
that those are some uh those are some strong uh, reasons right there. Uh, so let's switch it on to somebody that I think would be beloved in, beloved in your city, very yeah. beloved in ours, and, you know, actually brought you guys a world title, got us to the playoffs of his sweet Lou, Lou Pinella. How is he perceived in uh, Cincinnati? Lou's a hero, man. Lou was the man. Dude, I mean, there's so many there's so many photos around town of him sitting in the manager's office, feet up on the desk with a Budweiser on the desk with three packs of Marlboro Reds. You know, you can't go into a sports bar without seeing Lou Pinella chucking second base and signed yeah. by him. I mean, he was a hero. He's a he's like a folk legend, dude. He, you yeah. know, rambling, gambling, loud. You know, just put, just putting cigarettes out on his pony cleats. Like, what a cool guy. All right. As you know, in the descriptions or from listening to us, we are a... Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply dive bar style podcast we hit the dive bars up um we've had a lot of good interviews and like i was saying in the intro sometimes things kind of get a little bit crazy in the environment when you're recording in a dive bar uh but pound for pound out of all of the things that happened this year this is probably one of the funniest things i will be turning this segment into a youtube segment with the visuals we put them on our instagram i believe anyways we called this one a man in popcorn pants walks into the bar it's me hanno and edmonds my lovely girlfriend and our stat department head tanya and an eyewitness to what's happening in this scene just it's just just a little bit of fun enjoy it okay so why we why we went to uh to an ad break right there all of a sudden with a cliffhanger for two reasons the internet or our connection on StreamYard that we we're doing this and then uh, what what just happened over here at the pool tables well there's a little commotion and it started with a costume and we thought maybe we were you know here on costume party night i don't know there was only a party of one for the costume party so we have an eyewitness here with us on the scene what and your name is jeff my name is jeff yes so tell, tell us what you saw. So I'm just sitting here having a beer, and this guy comes in in this 
costume was a boxing robe. It was like a name brand boxing robe and red tights underneath and a, a blue and red sequin hat and long, long hair. So it's like a, it's a Rocky Ralbo yeah, a robe yeah. with the Apollo Creed uh, village people style uh, he, sequin hat. He had a hat that had like hair sewn into it. So like when you take off the hat, the but hair we comes. Didn't know that we didn't know that it was a hair sewn into it. Just shoulder length hair. It looked like it was real hair from the distance, anyway. But anyway, I met him. He was he was demanding, not asked, demanding to be yeah, interviewed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So not gonna happen. Then he started playing pool with somebody, and then a little while later, this guy comes in with this kind of a funky plaid shirt on and pants that had popcorn designs on the side of it. Yes, an older guy with gray hair. And then they started playing pool together. The robe comes off, and he's wearing red tights. It was like a it was like a wrestling onesie. Yes. So Hannah, when you yes. came in, was he already in the wrestling onesie? Before I even came in, um, you know, we had internet problems, and you were working up here in Edmonds, and you know how that bothers me. And I said, "The hell with it." So I'll just drive up five minutes away, yeah. and so I pull into the parking lot here, and there's two uh, Edmonds PD cars out front and I see them walking towards this place so I stay in my car because you know nowadays you just never know uh kind of look in the door and uh see that nothing's going on too serious so I walk in and yeah the Edmonds PD is escorting this guy out that he just popcorn pants yes popcorn pants was getting taken out so I mean as this is all going on I'm like did I make another bad decision decide to come up here and do a podcast (laughs) It was just really strange because they were just playing pool. It didn't seem like there was anything violent or anything weird going on. They were just playing pool. This guy did take off his robe, and he, he did take off his robe, but he was just in there with this, like a wrestling onesie, red. Yeah. You don't want to see it from either side. No. and, and, and Trust me, there's a lot to see there. Did, he had something also in his oh, pants that definitely. was supposed to be like, definitely. hey, look over here. I don't know what it was. Definitely. But it was he, trying to be the shape of a penis, but it was, was like falling apart in there. Is that where he put his wig when he took that, it off? Uh, maybe. Oh, my. Maybe Luckily, I only saw the backside. But, so at this point, when the cops escort popcorn pants out... <laughs> The guy comes over to me and goes, are we going to get this interview or not? Like, he was like, are we going to do this because I don't have time? And I was like, maybe. And he goes, yeah, maybe next time. And he goes, just text me. I, I heard that question. I'm like, I, I didn't know if he was, ex- <laughs> why he was expecting an interview or whatever. But anyway, it was very entertaining. Yeah. Dive bar scene tonight. And Tanya, you got you got a little bit of intel from Shelby over at the... At the at the bar. I do. I'm on the beat. So, Jeff, the update. We know what happened here. So, it turns out Popcorn Pants is unrelated to anything. Came in because apparently there's a storage unit down the street um, of his, um, I'm guessing, that was broken into. So, he came in and asked Shelby if he could use the phone because he didn't have a cell phone. Of course, she said, no problem. <laughs> he forgot to mention to her that he was actually going to call 911 about the the theft with his storage unit. So 
unbeknownst to her, the police show up to her bar. You can imagine, I'm sure, how that feels. So they come in. It looks like they're escorting Popcorn Pants out. But actually, they're just taking him out, I think, to get his statement about the storage unit. (laughs) From stat department to investigative reporter. (laughs) Yes, I love it. I love it. Right on. Oh, my God. So we're going to get back on track here, folks. But thank you, Jeff. And, yes, thank you for sending us that so people understand the context. I'm sure people will be going and checking out. Our Instagram, which is rye, at Rye Bread and Mustard Podcast. Rye Bread and Mustard Podcast. Again, Rye Bread and Mustard Podcast on Instagram. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. All right. And the cherry on top to close us out, one of our beloved uh, regular guests that we have on the show, my 92 and a half, going to be 93 on January 27th, Grandma Norma. You know she comes on here with the hot takes when big things happen. Here's a couple of the takes that I really enjoy. Uh, I'm only going to put two of them on here, but you can go back through the episodes and check them out or check it out on the social media. But one of them is when they inserted the new rules. She's got a hot take on that. She's got a hot take on that. As well as when Jared Kelnick was traded by the Mariners. Let's hit it up. I think we ought to start off with a call from Grandma Norma, my 92-year-old grandmother who's got a lot of opinions. I want to know about this little rule where you've got, you've got to be in the batter's box within so many minutes or so many seconds or whatever it is. How are they going to keep track of this? And then another thing, how about that playing all on the outfield, all on one side? What are you going to do with the other side? Put bleachers in it or what? Well, what's the idea of the smaller bases? What, you what's mean the that? larger what? bases? I thought they were making them smaller. I thought that's what they were going to do, decrease the size of the base. No, they're increasing it. Who comes up with these ideas and rules? I mean, do they send out questionnaires and you answer them and send them back? Or where do they get these ideas? Well, I'll try to get my mind, my 92-year-old mind, uh, set on this. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting that she thought the bases were getting smaller. You know, like like it was like the hamburgers at at Dick's, you know, or something. (laughs) (laughs) Or taco time. You're like, what? They're getting smaller? No, they're getting bigger. Hello. Well, Grandma, Jared Kelnick, no longer a Mariner. He's an Atlanta Brave. What's your feelings on it? I, uh, my feelings are on this. Is a, I really don't care. That I, he wasn't one of my favorites. The one that kicked the water cooler? That's who he is. He was very passionate. Yeah, well, maybe he could go get a job with the Seahawks as a kicker okay. if things don't work out with a lot of breaks. So you didn't I like mean, you didn't like his attitude. No, I didn't care for him at all. But uh, I, I was always under the impression that you kind of liked him when they brought him in up there. Does, does Hampton like him? Well, he wasn't my favorite. I'll tell you that. So I can't. Uh, I wish him luck, but I I can't shed any uh, tears over him going and uh, leave the rest of the team kind of alone. All right, that is our episode. Happy New Year. Maybe we'll be seeing you down at T-Mobile Park for the NHL Winter Classic or sometime soon at T-Mobile Park. Again, thank you for liking, subscribing, and sharing. If you're checking us out on Odyssey or anywhere else, thank you again. Give us those reviews. They really help us out. Listen, we like those five-tool baseball players on this podcast, but you know what we like way more? 
those five-star reviews. So hit us up with that five-star review and make sure to go check out our YouTube channel. Leave us a comment. Also, if you want that gear, hit up at simply.cora. All right. Like I said, happy new year's. Thank you to everybody that's made our 2023 and our season two. We are currently in season three, but our season two, very special. With that being said, Hanno, you know what time it is. Charge.